I'm over here today on this. Good morning, church. Um, one thing I do, uh, extra prayer request, um, is that Beatrix was, was on her way here this morning and um, was in a car accident. Um, so if you could be keeping her in prayer as well. Um, so far, what I know is that she's okay, but I think she got rear-ended pretty bad. Um, and, and, you know, that's always very startling. So keep her in prayer, if you will. Um, we get the slide going. Um, so last week, we um, kind of began to launch and share about uh, the vision, the values of uh, the church and this year-long theme of becoming and belonging. But I want to go back, um, remind us this question today, who are we? Um, who is West Hills Covenant Church? So our vision is being transformed by Christ's love and joining in God's transforming work in the world. Our mission is upward to foster authentic relationships with Jesus, inward creating a loving and welcoming community, outward empower all to live out God's love and purposes with our neighbors, city, and world. And um, a huge part of being part of the Covenant Church is that we have six affirmations. And so I'm just reminding us again, as scripture always tells the, um, the Hebrews, remember who you are. So again, a reminder, we affirm the centrality of God's word, the necessity of new birth, um, the commitment to the whole mission of the church. We affirm the church as the fellowship of believers um, or the priesthood of believers. Uh, we affirm a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit and the reality of the freedom in Christ that we have, uh, that we can disagree and still be in fellowship and walk together. Amen? Okay, we were at Quest yesterday for my friend's installation as lead pastor. So I've been up with a lot of amen in. So I'm, I'm, a, li I'm a little bit still on that. <laughs> so, amen, right? A lot of hallelujahs. So, um, our values, we, we spent time over the last whole year with our leadership team, with our staff, uh, with the chairs of ministry teams, with Dave and Maggie, um, and uh, who were our former uh, leaders, and just kind of asking this question, what makes West Hills West Hills, right? So when you do values, it's not saying kind of like the, the overall Christian practices. It's what it's saying is, is what makes us unique? What makes us distinct um, in, in our community? Um, and so that belonging is Jesus-centered, that we are intergenerational, we are multi-ethnic, we are genuine or genuine, for those of you guys who know the 90s rapper, um, and then becoming... Uh, spirit-led, that we are courageous, um, that we are willing to not live by fear um, in this world, but we are willing to be courageous, to take risks for the sake of the gospel, um, that we love mercy and do justice, and we are contemplative, um, realizing our need for Jesus, that we need to meditate upon Jesus and God's word. Um, and so some of these are defining who we are. Some of them are a little aspirational. Um, we're becoming, we're on our way there. And uh, one thing that Joe Brooks says that I appreciate um, is that he says, these aren't new values necessarily. Um, these are just who we are and getting clearer um, in who we are, already are. 
Um, so after today, um, we'll launch into um, 12 weeks, um, taking two weeks on each one of those values. Um, one, looking at where the roots are um, in Scripture, the biblical foundation, so being rooted in Scripture. And then the second part is the fruitfulness. Um, so once you have those roots, um, as you think about a tree, and then what are the fruits that come with that? Um, where do we see this practically being lived out. I wanted to call it roots and fruits, but then everyone thought, then everyone's, all the kids would say, and, and toots. Thank you. So, so we didn't do that. Everyone else, just, maybe it was just me. Um, so, so anyways, uh, last week, Pastor Mark talked about belonging and how it is key to becoming, right? So when we really want to become and have that courage of who God's called us to be or the call that God has had on our life, uh, which every single person in here has, um, some call that God has called you to, um, a key part of that is feeling a sense of belonging first. And so Romans 1.6 tells us this, that and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus. That no matter what the world says that you do not belong, Jesus says you belong to me. And the second one is Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, we, though many form one body, that even though we have diversity, that we're not all the same, that we have one body, united in one, and each member belongs to all the others. Isn't that beautiful? So as Christians, we belong to Jesus, we belong to one another, but we have real life experiences in and outside of the church that tell us that we do not belong. And we begin to question those things and tell ourselves lies that we do not belong. So sometimes in life, nothing in our life communicates that we do belong. And so I think of the life of Moses. Moses, who was born in a time of genocide of Hebrew baby boys, who was given up, who was raised by the Egyptian pharaoh's palace of the very one who ordered his own death of his people, who then killed an Egyptian slave driver and then was criticized and ostracized by his own Hebrew people. He ran away to a foreign land, and this guy just did not belong. He didn't belong to the Hebrews. He didn't belong to the Egyptians. So he goes, and he's like, I opt out, y'all. I'm going to go out and be a shepherd. He even names his kid Perpetual Foreigner. Hi, what's your name? Perpetual Foreigner. I mean, th this guy is like this deep sense of I don't belong. And then an angel of the Lord appears to Moses in the flames of a fire in a bush that just didn't burn up. And the fire begins to call out, Moses, Moses. And Moses comes and says, here I am. And this is what God says. Will we stand for the reading of God's word? Exodus 3, 7. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. 
So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Moses, you haven't belonged. But today, I, Yahweh, the creator of all the heavens and earth, I am telling you who I am and that you belong. I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, and of Moses. Moses responds with doubt and insecurity from all of his life experiences that said he did not belong. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Egyptians, the Israelites, out of Egypt? Who am I? I don't belong nowhere to no one. My kid's name is Perpetual Foreigner. <laughs> but God assures him again, I will be with you. I have sent you. You belong to me, Moses. And Moses continues on the self-journey of self-doubt and insecurity. And he says, I don't speak good. I am the not belonging one, God. Can you send Aaron? But God continues to assure him that he is to be God's voice, God's hands. God's feet to bring good news, liberating news, to help others feel like they belong and can be free. Amen? So I did a little drawing. It should be in your bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, it's okay. You can go back and, and grab one. But I was having um, some time with God, and as I was thinking about this deep sense of calling, calling of, of this church and where I feel like God's leading us and, and I'm excited about, but also the barriers and the pain um, that keep me as a woman of color here in this space from in my own lives, my own story, from being able to feel that I belong um, to Jesus, um, to have that sense of security. Um, and, and as I sat there, I began to weep as I began to write many people in this church's name um, who have been the hands that have made me feel like I belong. Um, and so I began to just write that out. 
with tears streaming down. Oh, I have my, my picture here. Um, and so some of us are visual, some of us are note takers, so you don't have to do this if you don't want. Um, but as we're listening to the panel today, um, if you want to write, draw, whatever it is, um, that those who've been the hands of Jesus um, that made you f make you feel that sense of belonging, um, and then also maybe ways God's calling you to be the hands of Jesus. Um, and then the second one is, is the feet of Jesus, that you write your name, um, Stephanie is becoming more like Jesus, courageous, love mercy, do justice, contemplative. And maybe, maybe in this time as you're listening, um, that you, you find this courage um, to say, maybe God is calling you um, to take a step, um, to be courageous, to become more like Jesus in some way. And you can draw or write um, your heart out or just leave it blank, um, whatever you want. So um, without further ado, I wanted to invite um, up our distinguished panel, um, up Chenghua, Lisa, oh, sorry, that just flows off my mouth sometimes. Um, Chenghua, Heidi, Dennis, Jaren, and Kate. No, no, no. <laughs> um, to come on up. Um, and can we, can we give a clap? Can we give a thanks? It takes courage to do this. Um, I am excited to, to have um, these really precious, amazing people. And, and in so many ways, they are so diverse. Um, they represent um, so much of our growing diversity in our community. Um, in many different ways, um, specifically um, with Chenghua um, being on our leadership team, um, wanted to, to really have kind of her voice as she's been in a lot of these um, discerning dialogues. Also my Korean American sister. Um, and Heidi as uh, the chair of our biblical justice ministry team um, as we've kind of journeyed and um, she's just courageously has um, stepped up to live into um, this calling that God has given her. Um, Kate, um, who is a third generation, we have a couple of those, uh, West Hilly in Ur. I just made that up. Um, but uh, she also comes um, with a master's in social work, um, just a huge heart. But uh, we, I'm going to let her uh, introduce a little bit more of herself because what you said it more beautifully than I would. Um, and, and Dennis, Dr. Plies, whom I've known for many, many years at Warner um, and know him honestly as a wise sage. If you don't know Dennis, um, get to know him. Um, and uh, I know him also in the sense of, of creating context of belonging and becoming amongst college students um, for many years. And as he's taught humanities classes, um, I know that he has done that well. Um, and maybe well is not even the right word, excellently. Um, and so I am grateful for Dennis. Um, and Jaron, our youth pastor and video maker, um, <laughs> uh, uh, she has taught us so much as we as staff have been reading the book Growing Young from the Fuller Institute, um, just ways to include intergenerationally, especially young people. And she comes with that passion and experience, and I'm grateful for her. Um, so 
uh, without further ado, I'll let you guys, um, I asked them that question, what Moses um, was asking also, who am I, right? Who am I, God? Um, and so asking that question to them, and you guys can briefly touch on that before we get to the other questions. So, and actually, I'm going to start with Kate, because Kate had something very um, beautiful to say. I wrote it out. That you needed. Oh, come on. Hello. Um, I'm just going to read it. Um, my name is Kate Park, and I grew up at West Hills, and after some adventures elsewhere, ended up back here a few years ago. I'm not married, but that does not define my character, spirit, or value. What defines and envelops my belonging does not have to do with my marital status, career, or socioeconomic status. I am a unique 31-year-old woman of God who is beloved on my own. God made me creative, humorous, strong, able to calm a room amidst the face of crisis, loyal mm -hmm. and a helper. I am a part of the Park D. Toyoshima Johnson clan, and I stand tall and proud to be me. Amen. Um, there, um, one thing that I think that God has been calling me to be, who am I, is to really, since my kids have been born, I've really been called, I feel like, to, to think a lot about issues of justice. And I really think that it was becoming a mom because it's as a parent, when you start to really fully grasp what sacrificial love is, that I really started to feel this call towards justice in my life. And in recent years, um, that's really um, been, a, a, this call to justice has really been focused on issues of racial equity. Um, and I think a lot of that came because my kids are of Asian descent, and so really thinking through what does it mean to be just in our world, and how can how can we create God's justice here on earth? Uh, my name is Chongwon Kim, and I grew up uh, in a military family. First and foremost, that defines so much of my story and who I am, mm -hmm. uh, and how I've grown up in spaces. And so from a very young age, I've been forced to kind of know who I am and define myself in the midst of being in so many different types of spaces. Uh, and a lot of those spaces are spaces where people don't look like me. So um, I have come to define myself as a second generation Korean American, um, military family. So you know I don't have a really strong ties to home uh, or a place. Um, and I would say that I am a millennial that identifies as a Gen Xer. And so if you understand what that means, there you go. <laughs> so I'm Jaren, and um, I am a woman in youth ministry, which um, going to college and being one of the only women in the youth ministry major was very difficult. Um, and it was very hard to find jobs, which is why I, my first job was in Colorado and my second job was in Texas. And somehow, by the amazing grace of God, I ended up getting this job here near my family where I wanted to be in the, in the denomination that I was dreaming of being in, which is so difficult as a woman. So I feel like belonging as a woman in ministry is, is extremely hard, especially in youth ministry. And to, I feel like I belong in this church um, and that's been really awesome because that's been really difficult because it was hard mm -hmm. um, 
feeling called to youth ministry for, as a sophomore in high school, but people telling me at church that women can't lead. And so I felt like, why am I called to something that I can't do? So thank you for helping me to feel mm -hmm. like I belong. And then I also really, really love youth, and I'm here to be their voice today. So not Jaren's voice, you're hearing the youth's voice, hopefully. And I have to point out that we hired her when she was pregnant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never been pregnant. Uh, <laughs> I would self-describe as a teacher, um, friend, musician, and a writer. And I feel that God made me to want to inspire people to think. And, and all of those uh, ways is by, through teaching and through being a friend and through even music making and as a writer. What I feel I offer to West Hills Covenant Church is uh, free as a spiritual companion. Mm. I have uh, been described by spiritual directors as a spiritual director, but I don't want to direct. I, and so I'm right now using the word companion. Mm. Um, I've been married 55 years. <laughs> I have been at West Hills uh, for 47 years. And I'm 77, but I'm going on 21 attitudinally. I still am reaching for the meaning of life. And I identify with, and I, of course, taught that age for many years. Um, and I think my general stance is uh, that I want to have increasingly is listening to learn and not to fix and help others necessarily, but really wanting to learn by serious respectful listening. I, I just want to affirm Dennis that I have known him as a great teacher and as a, what makes you a great teacher is that you are a great learner. Um, and I appreciate that about you. Yeah. Um, so before we get to the good stuff, we're gonna talk about the barriers, and we're gonna talk about barriers and bridges to belonging and becoming, but we're gonna start with the barriers. So what are barriers to belonging or believing that you belong uh, to Jesus, to community, to church? Um, feel free to grab the mic, Super. I, uh, I have a story that it's very confessional, but it will, strike right at this. Um, Stephanie mentioned that I taught a humanities course. I'm a music professor who was given the freedom to step into the humanities department in 1995 and teach this course called Faith, Living, and Learning. We used books, but they dealt with uh, topics of the human condition and how they rubbed with our faith and not necessarily as everybody has a Christian faith, but really thinking about our personhood and, and being authentic and how do we take to all these topics of living in this, on this planet. My first semester of teaching, uh, well, to go back, in, when I was around 20, I was having lunch with a friend in, and he was 22. Well, that meant he was a giant, and I, so I listened to what he said. And within our lunch, he had said, um, you can scratch this from the tape, the masses are asses. And I thought, that is cool. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a cynic, and I 
I lived into that belief system mm. until I taught the first class in 1995. At the end, one of the major projects at the end of the course was to have each student come forward and present in the way that they wanted to their ontology, their uh, how they felt. God had created them to be and who they were and how they're going to act that in, in the world. And I realized that my attitude had changed because heretofore, the, a lot of these students are rough to work with, I, but I struggled to get to know each of them and found that they're all beautiful in their core. If you can ever get past their defenses, they're all beautiful. And then I was reminded repeatedly, they're God's creation. They are beautiful. Mm -hmm. and, but we, we tend to build great walls, very clever walls. We're very sophisticated at our wall building. Mm -hmm. But if we persist and listen to people, they, they loosen up. And they, in the safety of our listening, they mm -hmm. can become themselves. And mm -hmm. so the big barrier, I would say, to my uh, was an attitude, it's mm -hmm. really an attitude. Do I want to invite students into belonging so that they can become, or do I want to just operate as an authority figure? Um, for me, it's two things that are very strong when it comes to barriers for me personally about the church. Or and even just, if you take it more meta, like just God and faith, um, one of them being, I feel like I grew up in many church communities or faith communities or faith disciplines, kind of, um, it, it was like, a, there's a disconnect between, well, God made you beautiful and God made you in his image, and yet everything that community was saying and doing made me feel like I wasn't made in God's image. And mm -hmm. so whether that meant like pushing me down or pushing me out mm -hmm. or saying I was less than. Um, so, you know, that I think that has always been a struggle. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, for me, just in my own faith, I think this idea of disembodiment in my own theology and faith has been, uh, is still a struggle mm -hmm. um, of not, of trying to reconcile this idea of sacred versus secular mm -hmm. and, and how that forms me and my faith. I'd like to mirror a little bit of what you said. Um, I felt like growing up in the church, I felt like I wasn't enough, and mm -hmm. I felt like that, and I mirrored that in my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like I, like there were certain generational expectations. Um, there's certain, there's definitely a certain expectation that I need to get married, mm -hmm. or I need to not be single. Um, mm -hmm. But then also, uh, I think fear and ego and shame all play a part yeah. in those barriers as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, as I was thinking through um, this questions, um, the thing that came to my mind was not so much the barriers for myself, um, but the fact that the barriers that, because I'm in that sort of sweet spot of a, a white person who came to the church married and had kids, and I felt like the belonging here within our community was 
easy for me. And what I realize is that so often I'm blind to the barriers that others have because their experiences are different than mine. And, and unless I create um, a space to hear those stories, to hear those voices, and to try to understand how I'm, um, I'm a part of that, those barriers, that, that my actions unintentionally are, are creating barriers for others to belong because I am um, just living life um, in the way that I've always lived life, and I, I don't even realize that I am um, acting in ways that are creating barriers for others. And so having an openness to, um, to hear other stories and to try to challenge myself, um, how are my words and actions and deeds and the people I talk to and, you know, how are those creating barriers for others to belong here? So that's, that's sort of what I was thinking about. Think about the. the uh, so again, I'm not Jaren. I'm the youth. Um, so the <laughs> and, and a little. The research children. is now <laughs> saying that 50% of high school seniors who are a youth group participate in youth group will leave the church when they go to college. So that is horrifying. As a youth pastor, I'm horrified. Um, and so I've been pouring all of my energies into reading and looking at the research. How can we fix this? How can we make their faith stick? Um, and so. One of the things that they're saying is, um, and I was talking with the youth this morning, is um, being taken seriously, um, giving them real responsibilities um, in the church. I think this phenomenon happened where as youth groups formed and they became this separate ent entity, um, we kind of pushed them out of the church. And then we were like, what do we do with you? You have so much energy and you're so loud. I don't know how to handle you. And we forgot how to integrate them. We forgot how to incorporate that passion, that energy, that loudness into our our church body and so instead we pushed them out and I don't think they feel like they belong um, and so I think about what can we do as a church I think I have a toddler so I'm thinking I would never I mean I have to give her more responsibility so that she will grow into the functional adult if we don't give our youth more responsibilities in the church they will not grow into the adults that we need to be leading the church someday yeah. so when we incorporate the youth when we um, make them belong in more ways than just cleanup crew then we are allowing them to grow into us into the adults that will lead the faith later um, and uh, our good friend Chloe this morning said when that they feel like they are treated like children but expected to act like adults and so mm -hmm. I feel like we need to start treating them like adults oh, yeah. too um, and so yeah that's come on Chloe that was a good she's, word she's babysitting <laughs> that is a good word I just want to yeah I think Jaren brings up a good point and to take it a step further um, I'm like Kate I'm 30 31 and I um, grew up in the Christian faith. Uh, most all of my friends that I have has, have as well, and yet I think 90% of them do not go to church now. Mm. Um, nor would I think they would call themselves a Christian. Mm. And so I think for me, that, yeah. um, that's huge because as I continue to choose to step into places of leadership here and engage in this community, I don't know if any of my friends would want to come here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of my friends would want to uh, pursue their faith anymore. And I think so much of that, like the, the themes that I keep hearing mm -hmm. from them is that why would I go to a community that preaches hate or mm -hmm. preaches 
what they're not about. Mm -hmm. And why would I want to invest my time and money mm -hmm. into uh, places where I don't belong, where mm -hmm. I don't see myself uh, fitting in, but not just fitting in, but feeling loved mm -hmm. and accepted for who I am. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of touches on what you're saying too, Kate. Um, and so, you know, post-college, I went, I went to a Christian college, and so I went to the SPU, and I would say after that, everyone kind of was just like, yeah, church is not for me. Mm. And I don't think this political climate has made it any easier. This reminds me of um, an experience I had in 1999 as a sabbatical. I visited 60 different uh, teachers, really phenomenal college professors that are ascertained as being phenomenal by students. Uh, and going to these classrooms along the West Coast and the Midwest, and is a non-scientific study, but what I noted in the first 10 professors, what they had in common was they were all warm and inviting, and I'd like to use the word host. You know, uh, um, Yo-Yo Ma, a great cellist, speaks about how he envisions himself on the platform as a host to the beautiful music. He's, it's not about his ego, and, and I think if, uh, the other aspect about the teachers that I thought, there's no one way to do this except being authentic. Some people are, they're, they're warm, exuberant, and, and invite you into their room, and you, you're, they're all over the place, and others are qu more quiet. But the point is, to are you warm and inviting, and mm -hmm. are you caring, and are you in some way demonstrating that communication of, of hosting? Well, that kind of goes into the second question really easily. And um, the book we're reading, and Jaron always says, warm is the new cool um, for the church. You know, we were at Quest yesterday, and uh, Dr. Renita Jane Weems, oh, she preached. Um, but she was talking about, like, you know, the, the older community, and she's m much older. She's a very uh, seasoned um, Old Testament scholar. Um, and she was saying, you know, I, she's like, I'm so old. I'm stuck in my ways. I have no hope <laughs> in terms of like being able to change a whole lot. She was like, but we gotta, we gotta do this for our kids and our kids' kids. Like still be investing. Like we wanna see the church vibrant um, generations from now for our children, for the children's children. And so even though, you know, maybe we are stuck in a little bit of our ways, um, but, but how can we be investing and in, in growing um, what God is doing to come for generations down the line? Um, and it was so inspiring. Um, so what are the bridges? I mean, uh, Dennis talked about um, warmth, but what are the bridges to, to belonging or believing that you belong um, to Jesus, to community, to, to church? Um, something I thought about is creating space. Um, I think we have a lot, every church has a lot of traditions of this is the way we've always done things, and this, these are the things we always do, and um, having new folks comes in means creating space for their stories, their traditions, their, their ways of doing things, and so just even looking at things like um, the artwork on the wall, the food at coffee hour, what are the things that we're celebrating? What is the music that's playing? How do we spend our money? All of these things that have like traditional ways that have been, things have been done for years and years. But if we um, have new folks come in and we just kind of assume that we're gonna do things the way they've always been done, um, it kind of makes it feel like there's not a space for other 
new, new voices. And so mm -hmm. I think just uh, an awareness that different folks have different traditions and having a space for, for people to bring their, their traditions and, and their stories and to hear their voices, I think that's, that's really huge. Um, along those lines, creating space, I feel like um, we need to create space again to let the youth back in. You know, we've been mm -hmm. like pushed away in the basement and um, we need to create space for their energy, uh, for their their opinions, their ideas. Um, I just think about like great movements in the church and I feel like they were started by youth and mm -hmm. so we need to let them back in um, and let their perspective be, and yeah, they are loud and sometimes they're kind of obnoxious, but we love them and we want them in here um, in the church. And then, um, so we need to, I would ask if you are um, leading, I mean, most of you were small church, like everybody volunteers. So if you were a volunteer somewhere, think through where can where can I incorporate a youth here, you know, and um, not just in the, the menial jobs that no, anyone could do, but how can we uniquely use their giftings and their talents to enhance the, our body of the church? And then, um, like Dennis was saying, warmth. Um, it doesn't matter if we're not the hippest church, you know, that um, we aren't, you know, we don't have a great lighting system or whatever it is. It's do they feel like they belong and do they feel like this is a family for them? Um, that's what they really want in a world where it's so harsh and it's hard to belong as a teenager. They want to feel like they belong somewhere. So um, warmth is is what we need and they suggest the research suggests that five to one ratio so five adults who are not their parents investing in them um, to help them have a lasting faith a faith that will stick with them through um, through college and and to adulthood so um, if you have some time and you want to hang out with a teenager and hear about their life um, let me know I'd love to connect you with the teenager one intergenerational point since that's one of our values I really want to really um thank Nancy Prouty for this ministry she's done for so long um, to reach out to college students and she sends the packages four times a year um, with little gift cards and, and, and a note and, um, and I just really want to say thank you um, for that ministry because um, so many people have been blessed by that and I think thanks that's for that I really appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> so I think as we talk about creating space and thinking about intentionality and how we bring people in, it's about extending that table, right? So literally and figuratively, like literally you're going to have to make a bigger table to fit more chairs in because our church is going to grow mm -hmm. and, our, and we're going to be inviting different voices and people to that table and you're going to have better food at that table because <gasps> I'm just saying Korean food is really good <laughs> um, and so you know what that also means though is that God is calling us to to surrender ourselves surrender our own egos our pride mm. um, our comfort and you know all of the things that make we, we got to surrender all of that and he's asking us to to take up the cross and to follow mm. Christ. And sometimes what that looks like is getting real uncomfortable, but choosing to know someone and let that be your guide versus trying to fix them mm. or make them like you. Mm. It's just about creating that space, having that table, mm. eating and saying, I just want to know you for you. Mm. That's it. Um, yeah, so, you know, like Dennis says, just that active listening, the open heart, uh, being willing to learn and to listen and to love. 
I think is going to help us create these spaces, but also active <laughs> intentionality of, you know, um, I, uh, I was gonna say I can't speak for my husband, but I'm going to. Like when San leads worship, um, we always talk about, okay, how do we incorporate the youth kids because they wanna do it and they wanna be part of it. I see them as leaders. They're our yeah. leaders as well. Yes. They have things to say. They have things yes. that they're, they want to lead us in. And the so youth are should, nodding their heads, by the way. Yeah, I just should. want you guys to know. So like, we should create that <laughs> space for them. And that's true for all of us. I think God has given and created all of us uniquely where we just need to create that space and table for all of us to be able to share in that mm-hmm. with one another. Amen. So... If you guys um, maybe briefly describe a time where you really felt like your belonging um, was pivotal to your ability to become who God created you to be. And this will be our last question. We'll wrap it up. So just briefly, if you can. I'm just going to read it again. Um, I'm going to choose a recent memory regarding feelings of belonging. During graduate school this past year, I experienced the loss of a previous partner. We were together for nearly 10 years. At admit school and recovering from surgery, the loss was unexpected and devastating, but I didn't believe I had the room to feel all my feelings. Mm -hmm. Despite the events going on, I had an entire community of friends, graduate students, and professors who wrapped their gracious arms around me and let me feel. Classmates who I had barely spoken to emailed me, extending love and hope. I felt the arms of Jesus wrapping me in belonging, grace, and love, and I knew I belonged to him and his people. He reminded me over and over again during the program to trust his plan and embrace ambiguity, calling me into his true plan, using my character and spirit as gifts. He called me to mirror my community's actions and be present, accepting, and love without fail to show up and affirm those I serve and love and lean into life with others, wading into uncertain waters, hand in hand with Jesus at our sides. I'm going to say that when I thought about this question, it was also similar to Caitlin. It was um, the thing that I think I've, I've had a lot of living life together with folks and living life together, doing different things, like all those, you know, eating dinner, those things build community. But I think the thing that's really built the greatest belonging is when I've had the hard times and folks have been Mm -hmm. there to listen to me. So when I've had some anxiety and being able to share that with people and to feel heard Mm -hmm. and to feel accepted. And um, that's, I think, so huge. And I think it's so hard sometimes for us to to listen to people's pain. But it's like, I think that's Mm -hmm. really... If we can be listening to others' stories and pain and be able to to be there to hear it, even though it's hard, I think that is so huge. That's good. The first uh, story that came to my mind was when I was 25. Uh, we were living on Okinawa, and a gentleman a few years older than myself became what I would consider a mentor, a spiritual mentor. He really grew my faith and taught me how to love Jesus over loving the Bible. Um, you got to take that the right way. Uh, but uh, instead of a cerebral faith, a, an experiential faith in, in knowing Jesus, the Bible takes us to Jesus. But I was, uh, it was an intellectual thing, and he really steered my ship. And I enjoyed 
his presence so much, I invited him to lead a Bible study in our home for a bunch of friends we had and talk about feeling of belonging. Uh, we still see some of those friends mm -hmm. many years later uh, in, uh, in America. Uh, it was so warm and, and all around the uh, person of Jesus. Probably, yeah, time for just two short ones. Um, I was just going to, I was thinking back to when I was in um, youth group and the people that invested in me and to help my faith stick. So I think about the women who poured into my life other than my mom. And um, and then I think about that they incorporated me into the worship team and mm -hmm. to other places um, where I was taking, my faith was taken seriously and my opinions mattered. And so I think that was really crucial. Mm -hmm. um, I... Uh, Belonging is hard. I think it's a hard thing for me. It always has been. Uh, and I think, again, so much of that is tied with my story. Um, but currently, the place, the space where I feel the most belonging is in our women of color cohort within this church. Um, I love that we come from all different walks of life. We also come from very different age groups. I mean, the fact that Auntie Penny drives all the way from Happy Valley just to be with us uh, is, is huge. And for us, that's, for me, that's been a very um, sacred space where we're able to really wrestle with some of these, these things and, uh, and wrestle with how God has created me and us and uh, what that means. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. And the, I feel like we're just beginning, um, that this is just the taste. Um, of, of what is to come. And so continue um, to, to contemplate, um, to be contemplative um, of, of these things shared and, and also contemplative of the things it brings up in your own spirit, um, to bring that to God, maybe draw it or write it on something um, if you want. Um, but uh, we have opportunities to be warm and inviting um, so that people not only just belong to Jesus, but they can become more like Jesus. Um, in this world. So can we give a thank you?